0: Hello, Team NXT. Welcome to episode 92 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. It's that UFP show that talks about the NXT show. I am your host, CD Danny Mack, the voice that is your choice for NXT. Discussion And I apologize again for another hiatus. This is why I keep saying I will talk to you next time and not next week. I'm finally bringing you an NXT TakeOver Toronto 2 based episode as well as the upcoming Wednesday warfare that is impending between NXT and AEW and we have a lot to discuss this week. And I say we because it's not just going to be me sitting by myself talking into a microphone and yelling at my dog about professional wrestling. I went out of my way this week. I picked up a pretty familiar co-host. To those of you who might have listened back into the archives, episode 20, I'm bringing you the rapping drummer from the East Coast successful cover band Good Noise,
1: the Attitude Era enthusiast, Matt Savage. Matt, how are you doing today? UFP. So great to be back, CD Danny Mac. Uh, My plan was to come back for episode 100, but I feel like there's so much going on that I couldn't wait. I had to come on eight episodes early to talk some NXT.
0: Absolutely. We'll get you a little familiar with the audience. The audience gets a couple different takes rather than sitting here listening to me rant. And above all else, we do have episode 100 coming up. Uh, Lots on the docket for that. I know you had some plans for uh, possible some retro NXT discussion, figure out... Where certain former NXT superstars have evolved and ended up on the main roster should be one hell of a conversation. I do want to focus kind of championship heavy, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it right now. Let's talk some NXT TakeOver Toronto 2, a great event that for the first time in a couple takeovers, I heard a couple mixed reviews about Uh, some certain match Ratings came out by a particularly noted individual for doing such things, and I have a couple points to dispute those. But we're talking all of the Takeover Toronto event, as well as the NXT Takeover pre-show, post-show, which we all know was filmed before the NXT Takeover event itself. Let's jump right into this. We have the NXT Tag Team Championship match kicking things off. The Street Profits took on the Undisputed Era's Kyle O'Reilly. And Bobby Fish, the formerly Red Dragon, representing the tag team tandem of the Undisputed Era. Always a popular choice going into a tag team match. O'Reilly and Fish tag teaming for each other for years on the independent scene. Roddy filling in due to untimely injuries. But we had the tag team chemistry of the Undisputed Era kicking off the show with the culmination of this promise that the Undisputed Era would walk out with all of the gold. Street Profits would have a couple things to dispute that, and I kind of thought, just to feed into those certain complaints a little bit, I thought this was a weird match to start off the show, just kind of based on how it ends. Undisputed Era walking into this event, we're walking out of Toronto with all of the gold, and before we know it, that promise would kind of cease to, uh, cease to come true in this first matchup, Matt. That really didn't sit well with
1: me. Yeah, I, I really thought we were going to realize that full Undisputed Era takeover of the championships on this night ideally you'd have um, the tag team take those championships you'd have Roddy take that North American championship and of course you'd have Adam Cole retain and we'd really have that takeover have full force but we didn't see that but you know what I still really enjoyed this match CD
0: we didn't see those results but we did see a great match tag team chemistry on display well paced as it always is The mind games beginning with Kyle O'Reilly and Dawkins I thought was a really great and entertaining start and just really unique tag team offense in this one. A DDT to a wheelbarrow plex, undisputed era, always innovating, always dipping into their old bag of tricks as well. Everybody always knows where each other is in that ring. When you have O'Reilly and Fish together, they always seem to know exactly where each other are in the ring, what each man is thinking one step ahead, and that's really the makings of a championship quality team. Street Profits teaming together for a long time, the chemistry, the gel, the little bit of a, uh uproarious attitude, but these guys can bring the fight
1: when uh, when the challenge comes about. And we've seen a whole lot of the Street Profits on network television lately, we'll be seeing more, it seems like, but we've been seeing a lot of them on network television lately and it's easy to forget that these guys can actually go, particularly Montez Ford, the in the interest of full disclosure, I watched TakeOver when I got home late from a gig with my band. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was in and out of some of the matches, but the one thing I remember vividly was that frog splash that Montez Ford hit. That frog splash Beautiful. was higher than
0: Rob Van Dam. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it got a whole lot of aerial efforts on that one. I liked the story in this matchup that The Undisputed ever told, because it reminded me of a former Tag Team Championship match that they had with Mustache Mountain, in which Tyler Bate would eventually throw in the towel for Trent Seven due to the damage on the knee. Taking out the bigger man on the tag team's knee seems to be a really go-to strategy. And with the technical expertise of Fish and O'Reilly, they always seem to get that done. But like you said, it would not stop the profits from walking out of this one with those tag team championships. And before I don't mention this, we did have a tag team submission breakup spot like we always have in an NXT tag team championship match always a popular choice to kick off the takeover card, and a really chaotic ending brought upon by a double spear by Dawkins, which would lead to that incredible aerial feat by Montez Ford hitting the frog splash and walking out with those tag team titles. However, some controversy in this matchup. We saw, vaguely, Bobby Fish tag Kyle O'Reilly. It was kind of blind. It kind of looked like it could have been incidental contact, if I could throw in a football term there, but Fish claims that there was a tag, and after this match, Undisputed Era would look out for William Regal wanting to track down the general manager of NXT and make their case ...for a rematch. I really do think they have one, with the Street Profits being mentioned and appearing on Monday Night Raw so often. That kind of does make me nervous for the Tag Team Championship status, but with full disclosure, I do not read the NXT full-sale taping results. I think if if you're in my position trying to put forth an NXT podcast, you want the most genuine reaction you possibly can. I don't want to have to fake a reaction for anyone out there. I don't want anybody to fake anything for each other, if you get my hint there. Um, But... Fish possibly tagged in. The controversy is looming. Matt, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Undisputed Era has a case for a possible
1: tag team championship rematch? Oh, definitely. They definitely have a case. And you know what? It would be a shame if we didn't get a rematch. You have these two fantastic teams with such contrasting styles. I mean, it it doesn't get any more opposite than the Street Profits and Undisputed Era. And, if we, and they just have such chemistry in the ring that we, I think we need to see it again. I think we will see it
0: again, whether it waits until TakeOver Chicago 3, I believe Survivor Series is at Chicago, which gives us another trifecta of TakeOvers, TakeOver Chicago 3, a possible tag team match being set up there. Not really sure how long things are going to get dragged out, a lot of a lot of possible controversial booking is coming our way in the world of NXT, so we'll just have to see where it all leads to, but we know one thing for sure As of after TakeOver Toronto 2, the Undisputed Era's promise did not come true. This prophecy is put on hold for just a little while longer and started off with some unsuccessful tag team matchups for Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, but the case is there for a possible rematch. Moving on, let's. Uh, I, I'm kind of looking to get through Takeover, not as not just as an afterthought, but there is a lot to discuss in the world of AEW on TNT and NXT on USA. So let's move right along. We have the Takeover Signature Grudge Match, the first of two women's matchups tonight. A Takeover card, first or a rarity at the very best. We had Io Shirai and her New Attitude taking on Candice LeRae. And Candice LeRae finally being featured in a spot that doesn't involve her as just Mrs. Gargano or just a support role or some sort of just undercard rivalry. This is a big time spotlight for Candice LeRae. I think she deserves it. I think it's long overdue. I think Candice is one of the most talented women's wrestlers across the board right now. But it's very hard to look away from the ability and this attitude that Io Shirai does have. But that change in attitude of Shirai's brought upon a same or similar result for Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae really coming out swinging, really jumped into and abruptly started this matchup. I really like seeing the new side of Candice, and this new side of Io Shirai just seems to bring out better and better matches, despite the fact that it could lead to some really controversial moves that we have not seen come out of the Japanese Phenom before. And I say Japanese Phenom, not unlike the term I used for Asuka during her NXT run, that undefeated streak. So Japanese females are due for some success when it comes to NXT. We had Asuka's unforgettable title reign, Kairi Sane coming and going, the pirate princess making her mark and securing her treasure. But when will the time come for Io Shirai? I do think she is on the path to success with this new side of Shirai, meaning new offense. And boy, did that did that deliver? Submission sides, slamming Candace on the announce table, we really saw some ruthless, ruthless actions on Io Shirai. And she managed to turn the 619 into a move in her arsenal, despite being bad and despite going heel. And just the fact that I have to boo somebody who feels so inspired by Rey Mysterio, as a longtime WCW and Rey Mysterio is my all-time favorite wrestler fan, Really conflicting feelings on my part. Matt, what do you make of this new side of Io Shirai? It's definitely interesting,
1: and I definitely like the n- new look she's got going. I think it uh, differentiates her from a lot of the other superstars. You know, you had Kyrie Sane with the pirate aesthetic and everything. I think this new kind of aesthetic Io Shirai has going on definitely um, individualizes her in a way and sets her apart from the rest of the women's roster for sure. It really is the look of a loner right now. You see Shirai
0: with the all-black, even her gear at this most recent takeover, very Cobra Kai-looking colors to maybe signify the no-mercy change in attitude that Shirai seems to have. CD Danny Mac, can I, can I disclose something to the Undisputed
1: Future audience? Yes, Team NXT, by the way, is, is the name of my fan base. Of course, of <laughs> course. I'm watching this match right now. I didn't get a chance to watch some of the women's matches at the time, and I'm really impressed with what I'm seeing. I mean, you had Candice with the flying through the middle ropes DDT. That was amazing. I just saw Io Shirai hit a belly to belly suplex, not a belly to belly, belly to back suplex, taking Candice Loretta to Suplex City. Here, there's some good stuff going on here, and we'll get to why I skipped the women's matches initially later. But I just want to disclose that too. You gotta watch. Listening.
0: You gotta watch what you can. Hell, I watched Yim versus Shayna Baszler in the back of a cab on the way to the bar. Big day for me on August 10th. A lot of birthday, uh, a lot of birthday conflicts in uh, in my schedule. But I did manage to sit down and watch the entire takeover show. This heart of Candice LeRae met the aggression of Io Shirai in this match. Io is still the genius of the sky, despite this change in attitude. Candice Ray able to kick out of the moonsault, really showing the heart. Of Candice Corre and showing that determination to put her former friend to rest, but this this new aggression out of Io Shirai made for some power moves. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> watch <laughs> like like Matt said, we're we're kicking back, we're checking this, we're checking this match out again on a uh, on a secondary platform here. Candace Corre hitting a very impressive reverse rana, but I'm going to jump to the finish just for the sake of discussion. Nothing appeared to be able to put Candace away. A Koji clutch with the amount of crank that I see Io Shirai putting on Candice LeRae's neck, that shows how badly Io Shirai just cares about herself. Just displaying that she doesn't need anybody and she will put you out of action if need be to make sure that the spotlight remains on her. She doesn't need any friends on her way up to the top. Really showing this in this match with Candice LeRae, completely putting this friendship together. To bed or whatever might have been left of it. I really see the bad blood with them going forward. And I'm really i invested when there is a rivalry outside of the title picture on NXT. It gives a lot more spotlight to newer stars coming up. Maybe some stars that we're familiar with that don't exactly get the proper amount of television time. And having a grudge match in the women's division on a takeover card I really do think was huge. And just to put the icing on the cake, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano competed on the same takeover card, and if that doesn't bring a smile to your face, I don't know what else will. Those two are just great together, and you can really show and see their passion for wrestling always on display. Matt, any other takes on Io River's Candice
1: LeRae? Let's, uh, I'm going to save my thoughts on the women's division as a whole for when we get to the championship match. I do have some thoughts about the division in general that I'd like to share.
0: Yes, the division in general that Shayna Baszler just seems to continue this stranglehold on. But we do have one more match to cover before we jump into what happens there. But we also have a big-time brawl between the Beast of Belfast, Killian Dane, making a return to NXT television with his sights set. On the original bro, the king of bros, Matt Riddle. This brawl would break out. This rivalry would initiate following uh, Arturo Ruas's, I'm still trying to get a grip on the Brazilian names no matter how easy WWE tries to make it for me. Ruas and Riddle had a really great match. These two are familiar with each other from Evolve. I definitely recommend going back and checking out the re-day butt of Killian Dane after this match. It starts off... With a senton through the stage. I don't know how you could kick off a rivalry more intense or more high throttle than that, but it just seems to be picking up. Matt Riddle challenging Killian Dane flat out right before a workout. And a brawl would break out right there on the takeover stage. Matt Riddle making sure that the NXT universe knows that his vendetta with the beast has not been forgotten but Killian Dane is just looking unstoppable right now I really do think whatever this time off did for him and this revamp into NXT can only do good things for his career he kind of seems to be carrying the sanity gimmick of an agent of chaos kind of mixed with somebody who survived this warfare that the IRA has going with England really interesting turn on Killian Dane's character right now but the aggressiveness does not seem to have gone away He would not only take out Matt Riddle by driving him with a side effect off the stage, but he would take a security guard or performance center enhancement talent, however we want to look at this, down with him through not one, not two, but I believe a total of three tables. This rivalry is off to a hot start. We are certain to see it this week on NXT, even though a match was supposedly put in place right before TakeOver. That didn't play out exactly the way Matt Riddle would want, and Killian Dane definitely got the upper hands once again. We will see Riddle and Dane this week on NXT, or rather I should just say later tonight, because once again I'm an open book, and we are recording this on Wednesday, August the 21st, and I cannot wait to see where the full Fallout front takeover lands. Matt, any thoughts on Matt
1: Riddle and Killian Dane at this juncture? Well, first off, I think it's great that Killian Dane is back in NXT as opposed to floundering on the main roster, unfortunately. Uh, seeing Sanity break up was. Um, hard to watch. Yeah, definitely hard to watch, especially since they stuff. were. It had such an impact in NXT, and just to see it kind of dissolve like that. Where is Alexander Wolf? Do we even know? Alexander Wolf is part of Imperium
0: on NXT UK, so there I seems see. to be a spread out between Nikki Cross in the tag team division for the women's, well, with the women's tag team championship with Alexa Bliss, Eric Young kind of wandering around backstage getting hit in the back with a steel chair by <laughs> Seth Rollins, and we haven't seen the leader of sanity since. Baron Corbin was looking for a tag team partner, something along those lines. I Eric... love
1: when the company's top face just nails someone with a chair for no reason. That... Yeah,
0: and we're, we're still we're still supposed to cheer that. And this <laughs> show was named
1: after him, so I really can't.
0: I'm not going to dispute anything Seth Rollins does. I will take umbrage with the fact that Eric Young is a talented veteran. He has trained some talents that are big time in pro wrestling right now. I'm not even sure if you knew this, but he had a he had a hand. In training, Ty Dillinger now Sean Spears. Oh wow! I yeah, Eric Young that. has been. Around I know the he's for a while. doing
1: like agent type stuff backstage, from what I've heard. So that I mean, that's great that he's in the company and he's involved. But going back to Killian Dane, um, I thought the brawl was very well done, and I think him and Matt Riddle is electric. I think that's a great rivalry. You have you know two very just polar opposite looking people clashing. That's always going to be for a good match. Two different styles essentially, and but. As far as the brawl goes, you know I think we're used to seeing that kind of stuff on main roster pay-per-views, where it's just a brawl, or something happens in the match where it's a false finish, and, and you know, we've kind of been soured by that, and this is the first time we've really seen it on an NXT show, where, you know, there was kind of just this brawl, it, it wasn't anything on the card, and I, for what it was, I thought it was very well done, but I, I think I would have liked to have seen... Some sort of blow off to the feud, or so or at least a start to the feud, I should say. That would be continued um, at a later date in the form of a match, at least. But you know that that's just me. And for what it was, I thought they did it very
0: well. Hopefully tonight we will get that match that did not take place: Matt Riddle versus Killian Dane this week on NXT TV. Moving into the North American Championship scene, we had the Triple Threat match: Roderick Strong representing the Undisputed Era taking on. The champion, the C-H-A-M-P, the D-R-E-A-M, Velveteen Dream, and the returning to NXT North America, the former WWE United Kingdom champion, Pete Dunne. And I'm still not sure if it's WWE or NXT United Kingdom Championship, (laughs) just based on how how I see it pronounced and if Moro Ronaldo is going to call it the NXT UK championship I'm going to call it that that week also but if just most recent hearing WWE United Kingdom champion the longest reigning champion in modern era WWE I thought this was a great high octane physical match I liked the fact that this introduced a new rivalry and it also brought up the known past history between Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong Pete Dunne is the reason why, or at least the vehicle to, how Roderick Strong became a part of the Undisputed Era. Do not forget the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup. Roddy would turn on Dunne and join the Undisputed Era, leading them to the Dusty Cup. And Dunne has always looked for retribution on that front. Why not jump in Roderick Strong's way to singles gold in NXT, which Roddy has not seen yet, we've seen Roddy in the NXT Championship scene, going back to when the glorious Bobby Roode was relevant, and those days that I absolutely miss, when there was kind of that common man versus the glorious over-the-top rich man scene, and that that Roddy working as a babyface, I really enjoyed not securing the championship, former tag team champion as part of Undisputed Era, absolutely. Roddy's got as much tag team chemistry with Kyle O'Reilly, almost on the level that Bobby Fish has. So I wasn't opposed to seeing that either. But getting Roddy in the singles championship spotlight, I think is very good. The guy can go when it comes to matches. Velveteen Dream, the most promising of all North American champions so far. Yes, I'm including current NXT champion Adam Cole, baby, and Ricochet, who is a former United States champion at this point. I do think Velveteen Dream has more upside than a whole lot of people. And I really enjoyed this match. The unlikely alliances formed and the old rivalries renewed. I think it was definitely worth the spot on the takeover card. I really enjoyed what all these guys did, even though it did make for a
1: controversial finish. Matt, thoughts on the North American Championship picture? Well, it was it was great to see Pete Dunne back on standard NXT television. You know, as much as I was like to... I haven't been watching NXT UK, unfortunately. It just doesn't line up with my schedule, and I don't always get a chance to watch. I'm assuming that's where he's been a good amount of the time. So it was good to see Pete Dunne again on our television. And I was just kind of thinking he's got to be—he's due for a main roster call-up. I, I know at this point NXT is the main roster, which we're going to be talking a little bit more about later. But you know, he really should be going with the likes of some of the top superstars in the business at this point. And, um, but regardless, it was great to see him in another NXT TakeOver. I thought the match was fantastic. And, um, you know, you could say the same for Roderick Strong. He has been around NXT for quite some time. And, you know, he's never reached the top of the mountain that some of the other NXT superstars who have moved on have. But, you know, we, we've seen him dabble in 205 Live. Um, so it's, I feel like it's only a matter of time before he becomes a player on the main roster as well. But, of course, with what we're going to be talking about later, this whole call-up thing in general is kind of thrown to the wayside. So it's, I guess we'll see.
0: It's going to be a crazy shuffling of the deck when it comes to NXT, Raw, and SmackDown in just a matter of months. No arguments there. Like I said, unlikely alliances forming between Velveteen Dream and Dunn to take down Strong. How and old just, is
1: Velveteen Dream again?
0: Velveteen Dream is... A, He's somewhere where it makes me think, what was I doing three, four years ago? I want to say he's
1: 23 at this point. I was just thinking about what, he, he's Goldust meets Prince, is what he is. But a high flyer, unlike Goldust, although Goldust is still doing his thing. But he's he just, he takes like the good parts of so many different wrestlers and characters and just, he, he really is an incredible talent. What would you think of the Mountie Entrance? Phenomenal. I will. I I like... I, where, wherever he is, he makes that entrance unique. I, we were at TakeOver, I guess, New York, even though... It was Take o- takeover, and, <laughs> TakeOver
0: New York, TakeOver Brooklyn 5, whatever
1: you want to call it. And that entrance was incredible. So, I mean, he, he always knows how to make an entrance at TakeOvers, which is...
0: All eyes on Velveteen Dream when he walks into a room, when he walks into a ring. The man has undeniable chemistry and can definitely be a big-time player and it seemed to be on the track right now as longest reigning North American champion in NXT. Dream would make the most out of Dunn's work, hitting the Purple Rainmaker for the victory, breaking up a pin and getting a pinfall of his own. I thought the timing was excellent. I thought the way it was displayed and looked really did a whole lot for this match and a proper finish. Velveteen Dream, still your C-H-A-M-P, Of North America. Now we jump into the what I'm considering secondary women's matchup because I thought Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae delivered way over the top than this one did. Mia Yim, the HBIC, the Wu Tang representing, even though she's not from here, she's not from Shaolin, she's not from Carmela's kayfabe kingdom where we are recording this podcast, but she still shows she still reps. And I'm never going to dispute being a Mia Yim fan, probably just because of that point. And Mia Yim would be taking on the reigning, defending, undisputed, stranglehold on the locker room, NXT Women's Champion, Shayna Baszler. And the submission magician would pull out some new tricks out of her sleeve to combat this opponent. And Matt, one point I've been making the past couple episodes is Shayna Baszler's past rivalries, just looking back at the most recent ones. Not since Ember Moon. Ember Moon, War Goddess. Pure ferocity. You would really see that with her right off the bat. Kairi Sane and Io Shirai. Kairi Sane and Io Shirai each needed to have an aggressive side brought out of them due to the actions of the Queen's Army and Shayna Baszler. Mia Yim also starting off already with an aggressive side and doing what she did prior to this matchup of taking out Marina Shafir as she's leaving her Nissan Sentra and taking out Jasmine Duke while she's minding her own business, presumably after a training session near her locker and damaging her shoulder also. Mia Yim absolutely neutralizing the numbers game in this match going into it. And I thought that was really smart by Mia Yim. We could talk about the actual match, but what do you think of Mia Yim just in the different landscape as opposed to Shayna Baszler's past
1: rivalries. I think she's definitely a more formidable opponent in a lot of ways. I think a lot of Shayna Baszler's past opponents have kind of had almost the Bailey factor, I want to say, where they're they're nice, they're aggressive, but at the end of the day, they're just nice people. Mia Yim is a tough SOB, and she'll bring it to anyone who's getting in her way, and I, I like that they're finally putting Shayna Baszler against someone like that. I think Shayna Baszler definitely
0: needed a aggressor opponent. It was really the street toughness of Mia Yim taking on the brutality of Baszler, and Baszler would get, as Moro likes to say, a dose of her own bad medicine when it comes to this matchup. Mia Yim would work around the rules, would work when the referee's blindside, would pull the hair, gouge the eyes, lock in a submission for way close. To the five count, Mia Yim taking the shortcuts, almost, that a lot of heels are known for and that Shayna Baszler has used herself throughout her title reign and including a very famous move that Shayna Baszler has done throughout not just her title reign, but her tenure in NXT. That stomp to the elbow, I don't know how you fake something like that. I don't know how you avoid that absolutely dismantling your elbow, your shoulder, just anything... Up and down your arms. That is a vicious stomp. And to see Shayna get it finally put on her. I thought it was some long overdue justice. And really emphasizing the aggressive style. By pushing the rules. And unloading this
1: moveset onto Shayna Baszler. Can I talk to you about Shayna Baszler? CD, Danny Mack. Let's
0: let's talk about Shayna Baszler. Let's talk about the stranglehold on the company. We'll get into the final finish of the matchup. Where I was actually impressed
1: with the finish of this one. So, as I mentioned earlier, I had a limited amount of time to watch Takeover. I got home late, so I picked the matches that I was going to skip for now. As I just saw, I'm actually regretting skipping the Io Shirai Candice LeRae match, which um, the Superior Women's match was not a great choice time. on my part. But I also skipped the Women's Championship match, and it, it's really because, CD, I can't stand Shayna Baszler. I just can't. And, you know, I I think the women's division really suffered a loss when Asuka left, certainly Asuka left, and really em, when Ember Moon left, and the title was dropped to Shayna Baszler at that point. Um, dropped to her with no
0: rematch also. Ember Moon forfeiting her rematch when she, uh, when she got moved up to right. at, Monday Night Raw. That's that a shame, too. We, we should
1: have gotten another um, crack at that um, rivalry for sure. But and I, I'm not saying there's no... Stars in this women's division, you have you have a lot of talent. Bianca Belair, who we didn't see on this show, but she's phenomenal, and we have all sorts of other women's talent. But I just don't see it with Shayna Baszler. I maybe it's the cynic in me, but I see them propping her up in NXT. When in reality, I feel like as soon as she goes to the main roster, she's going to be a Ronda Rousey henchman along with the other two.
0: Who knows what Ronda Rousey's status in the sports entertainment world is going to be. The um, the finger, yeah, that's you see the finger. <laughs> that's some brutal stuff. It's almost like uh, Shayna Baszler did that to Ronda herself, but it was a door on the set of 911. And while we're at it, let's just on the off chance, let's wish Ronda Rousey a speedy recovery from uh and maybe get somebody else to
1: do her stunts for just just a little while. But I think, you know, Shayna Baszler I never really buy her promo CD. I, I, I don't think she's a great promo at all. I, she's okay in the ring. I I don't know. I just She doesn't have what it takes for, for me to carry this division. Especially when we've seen so many great women's champions in NXT. I, I just don't think... I They can't move on from her title reign um, quick enough, in my opinion. I hope that whoever gets it next, it'll be nice and competitive. But I just think... Her time is come and gone. Just in my opinion. Shane has run the division not just once, but is the first ever
0: two-time yes. NXT women's champion. And Shane has come up against some formidable opponents, even if they've needed to have an aggressive side brought out like Sane and Shirai. But Baszler's ability to adapt and dip into that mixed martial arts arsenal cannot be overlooked. Despite the injury to her arm, Shayna became adaptive and... When the Kirifuda clutch wasn't working out, she adjusted it into a triangle choke from the neck and almost using her good arm like a kickstand for just lack of a better observation. I really, really liked the innovative finish. I don't agree that it was a one-star match like a certain known journalists out there might dispute, but I'm looking at the you gotta, you gotta look at, <laughs> you gotta look at these things not just the match itself. I really think that the problem with star ratings, this doesn't just go for this match. This goes for almost an entirety. You gotta look at the entire story, and the entire story here was that Mia Yim is going to bring an aggressive side that not a lot of Shayna's past opponents are going to bring. Mia Yim pushed the rules. She pushed the envelope. She held submission counts well into when they might have been broken up by a different babyface me again brought a different side and a different fight to Shayna Baszler but Shayna Baszler's matches to agree with you slightly have kind of become formulaic there was that difference
1: in the you'll change always there you get the run in and then it's
0: no run in in this one which i yes. which i enjoyed the which i enjoyed the difference of but you will always if not if not always more times than not you'll get that submission finish By hook or by crook, Shayna Baszler is going to pull something out. The submission magician, never out of tricks. The Queen of Spades will continue her reign, her second reign, as NXT Women's Champion.
1: So when she's finished, who who do you think... I I want your prediction. Who do you think is running this division? What
0: What I would like to see happen, honestly, I think it's time for a true underdog story outside of the NXT World Championship picture. We have Johnny Gargano, which I'm going to get to over, in just a matter of moments, unbelievable two out of three falls confrontation with Adam Cole, baby. But I think the NXT women's division is overdue for a true underdog story. We kind of saw that most recently with, I'll go back to Kyrie Sane. We saw the attitude brought out in Io Shirai, not really an underdog because the numbers game was almost even with her then friendship with Candice Gorey. I want to see that true underdog story or redemption story. I really want to see Dakota Kai get healthy and finally get, finally deliver the comeuppance to Shayna Baszler that has been a long time coming. Tegan Knox, Tegan Knox is another one, true underdog value, coming back from her most recent knee injury, unfortunately suffered during the May Young Classic tournament too. We have Candice LeRae. Yes. I, if Candice LeRae... Got the victory over Io Shirai in this takeover, I thought that might catapult her right away into an NXT Women's Championship spotlight. So those are three names that come to me right off the bat. If we're talking former contenders, I think Bianca Belair definitely has the crowd behind her enough to make another case for her being involved in the title picture, but she's gotten two cracks, including a singles match and a fatal four-way situation, so I'm not sure. What Bianca Belair is due for, I thought that fatal four-way match would involve Bianca Belair walking out with the title without pinning Shayna Baszler, and Shayna would come up to a Raw or SmackDown scenario because, and I know we're not supposed to talk about women's ages just as a societal rule, but Shayna Baszler is up there. She's in her late 30s, a lot of combat sports experience underneath her belt. I do think her time for network television is overdue, but I'm Kind of mentioning a moot point here due to what we're going to discuss (laughs) later on, and a lot of exposure for NXT roster is coming. Shayna Baszler's reign at the top is entirely credible, but I really do think that it's due for an underdog story to be told in the NXT women's division. Okay, and luckily that brings upon a pretty quick and seamless segue and transition to NXT's favorite underdog Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, Johnny kick him in the ding-ding, Johnny Gargano taking on the reigning, defending NXT champion. Coming back from the successful championship tour, worldwide celebration tour, baby, It's Adam Cole with the last match representing the Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era going 0 for 2 into this one. Upon initial reaction and initial viewing, I thought there was no way that this title flip-flops between Gargano and Cole. But there was a little bit in the back of my mind that thought, maybe it's a possibility that Adam Cole drops the title to Gargano and we get a undisputed error, error, E-R-R-O-R, just a little clever wordplay if anybody out there is laughing. I appreciate the sympathy or uh, however you call it. Anyway, two out of three falls, and every single one of those delivered, starting off with a regular... Wrestling match, which you would think up right up Johnny Gargano's alley, right when you think uh, this is an advantage for Johnny, this is something that's gonna gonna drive him right forward and maybe tap out Adam Cole for the first fall. Definitely not ending as expected.
1: Yeah, I was very surprised to see how that first fall ended. For him actually using that first fall to get an advantage in the second fall. Where he got the DQ but set himself up for victory in that second fall. That was really cool. I thought it was almost Ciampa esque
0: getting getting that yeah. kind of getting that kind of advantage. I think Johnny learned a couple things from his former DIY brethren. It's almost as if he wanted that third fall to happen. I think so. I think uh definitely pushing to get locked inside that maniacal steel cage, which kind of reminded me of that. Over the top and uh, highly reviewed Ambrose Asylum. <laughs> I was just going to say matchup. Ambrose Asylum. I don't know what mind William, what mindset William Regal was in when he put that entire thing together. But Johnny with the intentional DQ, I thought, number one, I thought it was strange because the way the stipulations were picked, I thought it was going to go street fight, regular matchup, and then whatever William Regal decided, I thought that the champion would get the champion's advantage and his stipulation put out there first. But Johnny Gargano going straight headfirst into a wrestling match and not ending in a wrestling match was an interesting take. Johnny intentionally using a steel chair to take out his opponent to gain a physical advantage in the second fall. Very Ciampa-esque. I thought it was very good strategically, but it would kind of kind of be the beginning of the end for Johnny Gargano. Who knows how this match would have ended if Johnny did not give up that first fall for intentional disqualification. The street fight was brutal. We've seen Johnny Gargano in street fights for the NXT Championship before. In this kind of environment, I thought he made the most out of something that at one point was unfamiliar to Johnny Wrestling and just putting forth that extra aggression. Uh, Matt, first
1: two falls, what are you thinking? I want to I want to spend a lot of time on the steel cage match. You know, I thought because it was a two out of three falls, I thought we'd kind of get a condensed... Um, Product of at least one of the falls, but we really didn't. They spent a good amount of time on all three falls, particularly the two two first falls. I was impressed by how much time they spent, you know, really going at it. Usually, when you see these two out of three fall matches, one of them is some sort of schmoused finish or something. One sort of roll up out of nowhere. Yeah, one just of those. Quickly get the three. Count, and we, so. we didn't get that as much. match. We got we basically got three full matches we out got- of out of this event. One thing I was. Um, a little bummed, and this is my fault for not doing the research, I thought for the third fall, we were going to get Commissioner Regal out there, and he was going to announce that the third fall was going to be a triple threat. Out comes Maso Ciampa. But, you know. You aren't the only one making that speculation. It would have been a very popular one. I'm sure
0: if it was any other injury other than a very serious neck, I think that that possibility is out there. I kind of anticipated... A ladder match. I figured, okay, it ends. That would have been in, a nice change. Of it pace. ends in two pinfalls. The only way to do it is William Regal hoists the championship above a ladder and says, "Go get it, guys!" If I do
1: have to nitpick at the cage match, which I thought was great, it wasn't that far off from a street fight. Essentially, it is a street fight with a barricade around you, but, but it was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but I think a ladder match would have been a really nice change of pace just to take that belt, slap it up top, and now you have to go get it after all the hell they went through. Plus,
0: just based on ladder match observations and past NXT takeovers, the very first NXT championship ladder match, NXT, ta- NXT arrival. I keep wanting to say takeover arrival, but takeover was not canon at that point between Neville and Bo Dallas. Yes, you did hear those names, right? <laughs> Neville and Bo Dallas had an, had the first ever Hack. ladder match in NXT. And then we had Finn Bauer versus Kevin Owens, where Finn Balor would retain. Neville became a new champion. Finn Balor became a retaining champion in a ladder match. I thought that this might have been that tiebreaker for me of, okay, is Cole or Gargano going to walk out with ladder match success? Because the other ladder matches in NXT have been for, well, this is speaking in TakeOver-wise, have been for vacated titles or new titles, like the North, North American, American North American Championship well, six-man matches. That's
1: probably, that might be my favorite NXT TakeOver match of all time.
0: It was so good. So intense and incredibly over-the-top stuff. And then, of course, at TakeOver, we had the Street Profits walking out with the then-vacated NXT Tag Team Championships. Steel Cage match, I really liked the elements of weapons surrounding it. Very similar to that Street Fight environment, like you mentioned. I don't think it was necessarily different enough. But when was the last time we have seen Barbed Wire above a Steel Cage? This... this. Had that very late '90s feel, yeah. To it, sure, absolutely. Some ECW elements coming out of uh, coming out to take over Toronto. There, the steel cage chaos. It, it brought just that: the chair shots, the kendo sticks, the aggressiveness that has come out due to this rivalry. Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. Even though Cole was, let, let's let's face it, this was an unexpected opponent for Johnny. Going back to the events we participated in. Going back to NXT TakeOver New York, where this rivalry between Adam Cole and Jardin Gargano would just start budding a last-minute unfortunate replacement to what could have been the culmination of the DIY rivalry, but there's always unfinished history. Tommaso Ciampa has stated that he's claiming Goldie back, but that's going to be a side point for now. The Steel Cage Chaos delivered exactly that. I really liked this match. I liked the intensity, and it, it could have been a match that might have... I don't think it needed any color, but I think it could have been a really an element to really exacerbate this rivalry and put it to that over-the-top point, that a steel cage match. That's
1: yeah, what you have to think about is this was essentially NXT hitting the panic button after Tommaso Ciampa went down. And on the main roster, we've seen things crash and burn when specific stars get injured. We, we've seen that with I'm just trying to think off the of my Daniel Bryan, when he got injured, when Roman Reigns was out. And we've, we've seen big stars go down, and the main product, they have no idea what to do about it. Here in NXT, we have that happen, and they've really turned trash to treasure. You know, it's kind of a trash situation when you have your top star in the company In the go most down, pivotal rivalry
0: go in NXT Completely history.
1: go down, and they turned it and flipped into a really memorable rivalry between Cole and Gargano. And I think that's really on display here in this... What I think is the end of this feud. What do you think? It's, it's looking that way.
0: I mean, I don't know how you end a rivalry on a more intense position. Johnny Gargano looking to ways to win a match that I never thought we'd see. Johnny Gargano taking a piece of barbed wire, threatening Adam Cole with it. Not an element you would expect out of Johnny wrestling. This would lead to the very top of that steel cage, steel plating, no escape. There was no way to go but down and that's exactly where these gentlemen crashed. I feel like that second table could have done them some, maybe a little bit more good to break that fall, but just kind of skyrocketed over that one through just one singular table, and very similar to some past matches we have seen, one hand just enough to make that cover. Adam Cole's effort just slightly enough to count the three and walk out With the only Undisputed Era victory of the evening, Adam
1: Cole, and still, Bebe, your NXT champion. So what do we think? Is this it for Johnny Gargano in NXT? Like I said, we haven't looked at the the dirt sheets, but... There's
0: no no taping spoilers, all speculation here. I'm not sure Johnny Gargano has anywhere to go in NXT, but straight across or down. I don't want to see that. I want to see new challenges for Johnny Gargano. I think he's a perfect fit for the landscape of SmackDown. Of course, if we're not talking, and I'm going to kick myself for using this terminology, if we're not talking wild card rule and we're talking with the exclusive superstars to SmackDown, there's a lot of talent that I would like to see Johnny Gargano lock
1: up Thank with. You. And the aforementioned Dan O'Brien comes to mind. Right away, they take those roster moves very seriously. CD on the main roster, they do. You cannot cross those lines unless you're under the wild card rule.
0: Yeah, definitely not unless you're Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns. or the New Day <laughs> or the Revival or Randy Orton or let's let's just face it. There's a brand split in theory. There's no brand split in practice. But let's jump back to the black and gold brand that matters. Adam Cole and still your NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa still has his eyes on Goldie. One big question I do have on that, and I'm going to kind of leave this open to interpretation. You can answer it if you want. I don't think Johnny Gargano goes anywhere before Tommaso Ciampa makes his way back to NXT. I think,
1: yeah, I think they really have to pay that off. There's no way they can... Either they have to pay it off here or on one of the other brands because that's just a storyline that... It's a storyline for the ages. They have to resolve that one way or the other. And I think if it were up to... Papa H, he would want that resolved on his brand. I think hey, I think that Papa H put
0: the whole shebang together. I think he deserves that payoff. I think we as fans deserve that payoff, even if it's on a less grandiose scale than anticipated. If Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa face off in a pivotal number one contenders matchup for a shot at Adam Cole again, I think that could be as... I guess as redeeming of a payoff as we can expect at this very juncture, but all right now we can hope is that Tommaso Ciampa's recovery goes as expected, and uh, we hopefully get some get some interaction between him and Johnny Wrestling sooner rather than later. A little bit more action coming from Takeover Toronto, Matt. I could just breeze through this if you haven't caught up yet, but we had not. we had Brizango, the returning Brizango, the Brizango reimagined to quote Fandango taking on the forgotten sons tandem of Blake Murphy and Steve Cutler, which seems to be the right choice in the tag team representation of this team. If you go back and I'm just going to plug one of my other episodes here. If you go back and listen to Sawyer Fulton, the founding member of sanity's interview with myself, you can hear even before forgotten sons were on television. You can hear Sawyer Fulton put over, keep your eyes out for Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler as a team. These guys are doing big things, working together on the live circuit. And I thought he might have been just kind of naming a team that he saw on a recent social media post by WWE. But these guys are the real deal. They're getting heat. They're getting some interesting tag team programs and they're definitely not forgotten so far in my eyes, but the return for Brisango also looking for retribution, and I think Fandango looks better than ever. No ring rust, no loss of chemistry between him and Tyler Breeze. On the other side, the Suns, just as ruthless as ever, Jackson Riker, never a stranger to making his presence known, and the clear X Factor, even going as far as getting involved in the ring, which I think you got to be deaf as a referee to not hear that giant man storming his way and clubbing Tyler Breeze in the back of the head. But that's what referees get, get paid to do, and that's just that. Eventually would be ejected, preventing tags, and that would be the last straw. Riker getting sent away from ringside would prove to be the turning point in this matchup. Fandango would fly, and Breeze would double down on a catapult elbow, and Brizango would walk away with their first of hopefully many tag team victories on NXT. I think Tyler Breeze going back to NXT. I think Fandango taking the travel down there with him. I think reuniting this entertaining tag team in a different environment can only do good things for WWE programming. Matt, I know you're not exactly
1: caught up, but any thoughts on the returning Breezango? I think it's great. And you know what? More than anything, it opens the door for a lot of other lapsed talent I should say on the other two shows to make their way back and have you know a second run at NXT I mean who, there's definitely some stars that come to mind who can we think of you you could probably do this better than I could I was kind of there, there was
0: a segment coming during the Wednesday Warfare discussion of who can benefit from going, going from Raw or Smackdown to NXT So I'm just that's how put, in sync we, gonna, me gonna, and CD Danny Mac
1: are I'm gonna we're, put, we're just totally locked in
0: putting that on the back burner for now <laughs> But it's definitely going to be a big time talking point. I'm going to give you time to put your thoughts together. But you know
1: what? With Tyler Breeze, I, specifically, I think that puts him back in the realm. This is a former NXT champion. If I believe, I wasn't watching NXT then. Not That's a former from...
0: NXT champion. One of the most, one of the most active superstars in the number one contender picture. Going back to my personal favorite matchup of his, the self-titled NXT Takeover Fatal Four Way. Tyler Breeze, Tyson Kidd. Neville, and Sami Zayn. If you haven't gone back that far in the NXT archives, definitely recommend checking that out. That's something that match I can do myself. Out. Absolutely recommend it. Um, want to do some NXT throwback call-up um, discussions and episodes once uh, once the UF Patreon comes up and running, which I'm thinking is starting to do right around episode 100. So uh, if you like the show and you want to support it further and you want to go back and just hear some discussion about older NXT events, that's going to be... My cheap plug.
1: But Tyler for now. Breeze is, he's big time. And I think people forgot that when he made his way to the main roster. And now that he's back, he put on some great matches. He put on a great match with Velveteen Dream. Now he's back with uh, Fandango for Breezango. And it's an exciting time for them, you know, when they were an afterthought on the main roster. The biggest exposure
0: they got in the main roster was that one matchup. I think it was, uh, I think it might have been Backlash against the Usos, if we we're even going back that far. Not even sure of the pay per view. Uh, Pay per view name. That's how forgotten I feel Brizongo has become on the main roster. Tiger Breeze's singles success in NXT. He was my absolute favorite guy to dislike. You love to hate somebody. You love to hate some heels in pro wrestling. Tiger Breeze was that guy for me. Going back to 2015 NXT. Uh, let's finish up the breakout tournament. The breakout finals taking place live from take live from Takeover Toronto arena we had cameron grimes taking on jordan miles and this honestly was not the fun was not the finals for the breakout tournament that i first anticipated i was absolutely certain that shane strickland swerve scott would make his way all the way to the finals not the match i expected a definitely a great match though i'm more than happy to be proved wrong more times than i'm happy to be proved right sometimes. I enjoyed the clash of styles, how fast Miles is, how powerful Cameron Grimes is. Two absolute stands out in the tournament, making their way to the finals. Miles absolutely resilient against the bigger opponents. The guy is an animated hero brought to life. Um, I love his facial expressions. I love his actions. I like the character that stood out in this tournament for me. I thought Jordan Miles had the most personality out of all the displayed NXT breakout stars. Maybe with the exception of the creepily looming Dexter Loomis,
1: have you got a chance to see this guy? You know, I haven't. I've, I've. It's hard for me to watch week to week just because Wednesdays always seem to be my busy day. But I have gotten a chance to check out the breakout tournament. And I think, you know, every week you see on these wrestling websites, they've. it's almost as if weekly they're signing new talent off the indies. And almost to the point where it, 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 it's it's got to be very crowded at the performance center. So I think the best way to get some of these people over throw him in a tournament. I thought this was a great idea to do. I love tournaments in
0: pro wrestling, and I kind of really loved the way this one ended. Cameron Grimes, just no match for the resilience of Miles. Miles hitting a beautiful 450 splash to break out a winner of this tournament. Any NXT championship of his choosing. If you recall correctly, Velveteen Dream won the Worlds Collide tournament and chose to go after the NXT North American Championship. I thought that added a lot of prestige and a lot of value to what the NXT North American Championship brings to the landscape of the competitors for NXT. I thought that Dream of wanting to challenge at the time a champion like Johnny Gargano to a big-time matchup using this tournament, I thought that spoke a lot for the prestige of the title. I wonder if Jordan Miles is going to follow suit. And before I forget to mention it, maybe a fun fact for you also, Matt, Cameron Grimes is a product of of the Hardy compound. He was trained by Matt and Jeff themselves down in North Carolina.
1: So is he broken? He could be.
0: I think we need more woken warriors here. He
1: must have taken a dip in the lake of reincarnation.
0: I'm pretty sure that's that might be an initiation to graduate from the Hardy's training school. Okay, that wraps that wraps up all the action from Toronto, the pre-show, post-show, great tag team, and tournament finals. Uh, talking this week on NXT, we will see the aforementioned Killian Dane and Matt Riddle hopefully get an actual matchup and not break out into a brawl. I'm not opposed to either option. I just kind of want to see these guys go for 15 or 20 minutes at a time in an actual match. Another standout in NXT that a lot of us might not be familiar with, Mansoor. Mansoor, the winner of the largest battle royal in WWE history. I knew I at, recognized that name. Yeah, at... uh. An event that I'm going to take the high road here and not mention, but he's taking on Damian Priest. And if we're talking breakout stars in NXT, Damian Priest is at almost the very top of my list. We will have the always appealing vision of Vanessa Bourne taking on the HBIC Mia Yim. Mia Yim looking to bounce back from her unsuccessful title victory at TakeOver Toronto 2. Already holds a victory over Bourne's partner, Aaliyah, so maybe she could go two for two in taking on the Bad and Bougie um, Alliance, I suppose. I'm not really sure what their tandem name is, but that's just kind of the vibe I've been getting. You
1: know, CD. before we get into our next big discussion here, and we have TakeOver on the screen here in front of us, where's Keith Lee? Where is Keith Lee? He's (laughs) such a tremendous talent, and I I feel like he—I guess maybe because it's so crowded in NXT right now— they haven't, had a, they haven't really had a chance to let him shine, because he's he's phenomenal, and he has such a look about him. Keith Lee's appeal and ability is
0: absolutely limitless. To go back to mentioning Damian Priest, Damian Priest and Keith Lee did have a pretty quality house fight going back just a couple weeks on NXT television. And what we can anticipate is the Undisputed Era coming out and speaking to their current state in the NXT championship scenes we know the champion himself will be there we know that fish and o'reilly will have a grievance for mr regal in the tag team championship picture and who knows what kind of stunts roderick strong and what kind of hoops he's going to have to jump through to get back in the north american championship scene i hope you enjoyed the toronto action discussion team nxt now we're jumping into the most recent wrestling news world AEW, as a lot of us have known for the past couple weeks, has solidified a television deal with Turner being on Wednesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. TNT. I think it's great. I think a lot more wrestling to the airwaves can only be good for people like myself. However, and this is where the team NXT is really going to kick in because starting September 18th, NXT will start going not only one hour, but two hours of their own live broadcasting, and it's still coming out of Full sale, so the familiarity of the crowd will still be there, but I'm hoping it becomes an eventual roadshow, maybe get some NXT live circuit events to be featured on NXT television. We've seen that happen in the past with the pre-tapes before, but this is definitely something that I don't think all elite wrestling anticipated of having to deal with. I thought for sure I was believing the early rumors of a Tuesday night Dynamite on TNT, I think that's not just fitting for the name, but I think the time split, time spot rather, coming off of SmackDown's eventual move to Fox on Fridays in the fall, I think that that would have been a really good spot for them, kind of substituting where WWE picked up, left off on Tuesday nights and picking up that very time slot, but AEW, NXT, head to head, live, cross broadcasts. I'm not sure where this is going to lead. I know that my fandom isn't going anywhere. I'm not sure what this is going to do for the future of the show because I do enjoy getting a one-hour wrestling program of the best on television and being able to deliver it to you guys in a 40, 45-minute, sometimes-run-the-actual-hour time frame. Although that's very rare without having a co-host. And Matt, I cannot thank you enough for aiding me through this rough week and a great episode for takeover discussion. But let's talk this Wednesday warfare. A lot is going to be unfolded. Not only are we going to get new stars coming out of AEW and their debut on primetime network TV, but a lot of NXT roster has not experienced live TV before. A lot of these talents coming straight out of the, out of the performance center – Let's just mention the most recent ones of the breakout tournament stars. Are these guys going to be able to jump right onto live television and be able to perform the same way they did in a tournament where it was pre-taped at full sale? I think this is going to change the landscape of NXT in-ring. I think it's going to impact the mindset of superstars to really push themselves even further in their performance. And I really do think that it can only be good for the state of NXT With the exposure and with more exposure to NXT, more people are going to look for an NXT podcast, I hope. So that's where I'm really feeling that this show is going to deliver. But Matt, where do we stand? AEW, NXT, head-to-head, lots of new talent coming out of the woodwork, not just on one company that's on its initiation, but a brand that has been existing and is known for bringing up superstars that we will see eventually in the bigger times bigger time spots, like a Raw or SmackDown on Monday or
1: Fridays. So this NXT thing has leaves me with, with way more questions than answers. And Absolutely. That's, and that's kind of the problem with this NXT thing. You brought up that NXT is going to be live. Now, I'm of the opinion that I prefer a taped product. I think the taped NXT product helps with continuity and storyline telling. I think the reason why we see these horrible lapses you know on the main rosters because it's live and then sometimes the the live aspect of things just have storylines lost and then you you have these rewrites up until the very last minute with NXT you know the fact that it's taped you can kind of cut things out or create the storyline the way you need to create it and there's just a necessity for continuity the fact that they do they tape in sessions where you have two or three episodes taped in that moment, you have to have that continuity. Whereas with the live events, you can go week to week. And we, all, from what I've read, there's one person who likes to change things quite a bit week to week. And that leaves for loss of continuity, in my opinion. We do have... A, that's
0: that's a great point. I do think that a lot of things can change way more in a live television landscape last minute booking changes and like i said a lot of these talents are not used to the live takeover spotlight that week-to-week television can bring i also fear because leading up to takeovers we have i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna quote somebody that a lot of people out there on twitter are not happy with but we can't miss you if you're always around mm-hmm. it's i fear for overexposure i fear that Okay, we're going to have a great takeover intense match. And that Wednesday that follows a takeover, the champion is always absent. We don't know what's going to happen next for the reigning NXT champion. So that creates a little bit of mystery, it creates a little buzz of where things could go. And I I really fear overexposure. I think that some people I think that there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of factors to look into and to mention your previous points of a lot of things changing up until the very last moment and rewrites and all of this stuff my initial reaction to this bringing NXT to USA and making it live was if it's not broke why are you trying to fix it and I'm still looking at it with that very same cautious optimism but optimism is key here we cannot lose sight of the fact that this black and gold brand has been bringing us consistently great wrestling for going over four years now. I really do think that the the advent of NXT Arrival changed the landscape of this brand for the better and for the greater good of getting a high work rate and highly successful matches. And matches that are going to push each superstar involved to their most creative limits. And I think a lot of the spontaneity that will come with live TV can lead to some repetition and lead to some my biggest fear here point being overexposure I don't know if there's going to be talents that we get sick of seeing or if the championship landscapes are going to have to change more frequently I know we see a lot of title changes on NXT television but maybe to create more buzz and just jump the creativity process we're going to see more title changes on live television than initially anticipated there's a lot of factors I
1: fear for but overall Optimism for NXT. CD, I want to walk you through WrestleMania weekend this year. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. So the Friday beforehand, you have SmackDown Live, right? On Fridays now. Right. 8 to 10. Two hours. Right. Saturday, we have NXT TakeOver Tampa. We're going to have TakeOver Tampa. Absolutely. Three hours, three and a half hours, give or take. Three hours. They've been pretty good with the three hours.
0: If there's a format of a two-hour live television show, does that push the time that takeovers that's interesting too. As, lo- as well? I mean, two and a half, three hours, maybe going into a little bit over three hours does seem to be the takeover norm. I don't want to see a six, seven-hour NXT takeover. So let's, that's let's the say overexpo- three and a that's half That's the half overexposure hours. Absolutely. I
1: let's say three and a half hours. So we have our two hours of SmackDown, three and a half hours of takeover. Now we're at five and a half hours. WrestleMania. Let's we're, add six hours. Let's be conservative. Let's say WrestleMania is six hours.
0: Okay, so with three days, we're already at half a day of professional wrestling. We're at a, about
1: 11 hours of wrestling. Monday Night Raw comes. There's another three hours. 14. Nothing on Tuesdays now. And then you finally, you have Wednesday with TakeOver, which is two hours. That's 13 hours of wrestling. Now, there's some people who love that. You know, I'm good for a lot of wrestling, but 13 hours is a lot. And you're going to create fatigue, and they already are in a lot of ways with their product. And you're going to create a, a massive amount of fatigue in your product, and the overexposure, like you brought up earlier, is a really, really big concern. So that I mean, that's something to think about as well. And I'm not a fan of going to head to head with AEW. I, I, I know it kind of brings back the nostalgia of facing off with WCW back in the day, but I mean. They never really went up against TNA in its heyday. I know TNA went to Monday nights briefly, but they never really took TNA seriously as a threat. And granted, this is probably, at this point, a bigger threat than TNA ever was, since they have network television and all of that. But what what you do in taking NXT and putting it against AEW is you're catapulting the AEW brand, which is what they don't want to do. So, and what you're making people do, essentially, is make a choice. Now... CD, I know you're Mr. NXT. You're going to watch NXT over anything. Absolutely. If I have to choose at this point, I'm probably going to watch AEW. And I know I know that's, that's sacrilege for you, CD. But I'm already getting all of this WWE product. I want to check out something else one day a week. And I think it's going to be AEW, at least right now. I mean, I'll have to see what they do. The one benefit is NXT is already a proven commodity. And we know what we're getting with NXT at this point. AEW has... A good and bad connotation with it in that we don't know what we're going to get. I'd like to see. I'm interested. And so right now AEW has my um, my viewership and it's theirs to keep for now. So we'll see what, if they can keep it or if I'm going to jump the other channel. And
0: AEW has impressed me with what I've seen. I do think, unfortunately, that since All In... Some things might have gone down in quality. I think their last event was the weakest of the events, and that's not the impact I expected going into one right on a very busy day for professional wrestling fans. August 31st, if you can do anything besides sit on your couch and watch pro wrestling, I might be a little bit jealous of that because we have NXT UK takeover. We have some NJPW on that day, and then we have All Out. All Out needs to be this incredibly over-the-top and delivering event in order to pique the interest in... In AEW, in my opinion, I think if enough people are watching all out and are impressed, then NXT might have something to worry about. And I hope whoever's a victim of the sirens you might have just picked up in the background <laughs> is okay. I hope that's not the ambulance being called for uh, for the the corpse of NXT going up against AEW, which I don't see. I don't see it happening. I think that I'm going to stick. Like you said, the product that has proven its worth to me already. I know what I'm getting with NXT. I know what I want to talk about. I know what I've been doing with the past 92 weeks of my life. I've wanted to invest this time into this brand. I think that's not going to change. I'm going to have to figure out a way to watch AEW. I'm going to have to alternate certain weeks. I'm going to have to maybe do the podcast on a Thursday night right after I watch the network version of WWE NXT. But there's a lot of promise for pro wrestling fans at this moment. I'm not saying pick a side. I'm saying watch what you can and enjoy what you want.
1: So you like the two hours? You like two hours for NXT?
0: I think two hours, it's a change. I think it's an interesting change. I think... Two hours live, too. Two hours live TV with some talents not used to a live TV format. I think it might might rattle some cages. I think that some aspects might not pan out. But, and this is a big one, I don't know if NXT is going to, I think, I don't know if NXT's is going to stick with their roster that they already have exposed to television, or if we're going to get more opportunity for performance center talents, if we're going to get beyond the breakout tournament making debuts on NXT television. How far are we going to see the ones who excelled in the breakout tournament get exposed on live television. I mean, just picking up a couple names here, I know Angel Garza was most recently on 205 Live in a 10-man tag team match, which I hear all sorts of great things that I need to watch. Same thing with Swerve Strickland. Those two guys looked like stars in the tournament, and they got their exposure on live television, even if it is in the Cruiserweight division. That shows faith, and I think if more action can be taken by these superstars to get more faith in them from the higher-ups in NXT, and I'm speaking primarily about Triple H here. I'm reading way too many conflicting reports about what involvement Vince McMahon is going to have with the Wednesday night programming that I'm not going to make a statement of, Oh my God, Vince McMahon is going to have his hand in NXT and the whole brand is going to go to hell and I'm going to have to stop doing this show. That's a take I'm not going to sit here and have. Because I don't know that for a fact. I don't really think any wrestling quote-unquote journalists have that down as a fact yet. I think speaking strictly in terms of Triple H at the helm, we are still going to get the work-rate-heavy show with innovative stories that we are used to seeing out of NXT.
1: Here's why I would prefer NXT stay at one hour. And I guess it doesn't really matter what I prefer. They're going to two hours anyway. But I think a why. case can be made for one-hour television remaining the course. Well, here's, here's primarily why. I think what makes NXT storytelling or TV storytelling so good is that the fact that there's that time constraint of one hour, you're seeing something different every week. You don't see Johnny Gargano wrestling every week. You don't need to see him wrestle every week. You might see him wrestle one week. You might get a promo the next. You might not see him at all the next week. And this brings me back to the main product. Again, you know, I love Seth Rollins. I don't need to see Seth Rollins wrestle every week. I just don't. And, you know... They tell this story with Brock Lesnar over and over and over again, where you know he's these underdog. He's trying to fight, and part of the reason why that story was not that great is because they probably ran out of ideas after the first week, and they're going back to the well with the same nonsense they did, and you end up with you know dry television because you know they're just milking the same cow, and and you don't get that on NXT because of that time constraint. You see different superstars circulating in and out. And, you know, that's I think now with the two-hour, they have more time to fill. And I think that's a concern as well. Definitely a concern
0: on my part. But again, if more talent get more time to shine and we get the same quality of matches that we're used to seeing on NXT, I do think that it does stand a chance and we're going to get a whole lot out of this two-hour format. I do agree with the time constraints of wanting to put the most important emphasis and factors into a story like you kind of mentioned getting the same Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar program, WrestleMania's time that we got at SummerSlam time that can only work with a handful of rivalries. I don't think it worked for that one, but on the same points, I do think it worked when we're talking Champa and Gargano. It's really all a matter of how good the story is, how invested you can get the audience and really, show that these are the top stars. This is the future of WWE. Keep your eyes on them for Monday or Friday nights. Right smack in the middle of the week. You never know if they're gonna end up in the beginning or the end by the time they're done going through the NXT system. And I think I think a lot of people getting television time is kind of kind of a blessing to get this great amount of exposure. There are people who are diehard wrestling fans Who have never seen the Velveteen Dream. There are people who are diehard women's wrestling fans who don't know the dominance of Shayna Baszler. I know that's a controversial point to make on this episode in your presence. (laughs) But you see my point. There's a lot of talent in NXT that the casual viewer hasn't gotten to experience. And a lot of characters that they haven't gotten to embrace and hold on to and see the evolution of. And I honestly feel bad for anybody who hasn't seen the Gargano and Ciampa storyline play out. But I think exposure for more talents can be just as good as it can be fearfully detrimental. And uh, I, I really do think that more exposure for the quality talents of NXT, and most importantly, I think that... I think, I think a pay bump is coming to the NXT talents, and for delivering the better show for the
1: past number of years, I think that's long overdue. How do we feel about the loss of the network exclusivity of NXT? Now, part of why I really like NXT, this is has little to do with anything they're doing, but I like that I can watch it at my leisure. I rarely watch NXT 8pm on Wednesday night, just because of time constraints. My band usually rehearses on Wednesday nights, so that's usually out of the picture for me. I like to go back and watch it maybe Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon, Thursday night. I like having that luxury. And I think NXT initially was a big selling point for the network. And if numbers suggest that network subscriptions are dipping at the moment. So, I mean, this is just one more product that the network... At this is all speculation, of course. They're losing. I mean, they might have the same situation with Raw and SmackDown where they get the episode a number of weeks later, but at that point it's all hat. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what this does to the network as well. If
0: you believe what you read right now, the current plan for NXT is to be made available on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then that would line on, up perfectly network, with my
1: schedule. I think that would line up a little <laughs> bit better with, uh, with the working schedule that you got. But what if... But then I would watch AEW live and then what watch if, NXT on Thursday night. Right.
0: What if, what if I want to watch like 10.05 p.m. I'm just walking in the door and I can't throw on the WWE network and watch NXT. That's going to bum me out. But as long as it's not going away completely and as long as we're not going to have to wait three, four weeks at a time due to licensing restraints like... Raw and SmackDown, unfortunately, have. Like, you're not going to get this week's Raw on a Tuesday, unfortunately. It's just not the way it is. Licensing and creative copyrights and so on and so forth, all that boring stuff that I don't know all that much about. But, WWE is presenting this option and alternative before their option and alternative even starts their TV network. I think it's as creative as it is kind of dastardly. I do think it's a clever strategy of pulling away an audience that doesn't even exist quite yet, and really an interesting way to go about uh, to go
1: about delivering this new NXT. I think what this really is, essentially, is the battle for lapsed fans. I think that's been AEW's mission since they've really formed, is to get those fans that have kind of given up on the WWE main product. I think this is WWE's way of countering that, because I think they know that there's a... Maybe a smaller selection of fans that are super loyal to NXT but have essentially given up on the main product in a lot of ways. So I think this what this really is is the battle for the lapsed fans and who can capture those lapsed fans. Do you think it's NXT? Do you think it's AEW? Who do you think does that for you? I think one of the major benefits AEW has is Chris Jericho. You can't deny his star power and his star ability. I can talk to a ton of my friends who haven't watched wrestling in 20 years. They know who Chris Jericho is. And they're going to want to tune in to see what Chris Jericho is doing.
0: And Chris Jericho was also featured on the first ever episode of NXT's Game Show Edition where he went one-on-one with Dan O'Brien. That's Bryan. another fear. That's another, <laughs> that's another way to uh, throw back facts for you. But the point about lapsed fans, it's no surprise that if you're as heavy into the work rate and the match delivery that NXT has given us, that you're going to want to see that same sort of style play out in AEW with the sports emphasis and wins and losses matter and all these big time matches that you know you're going to see some incredible in-ring ability. What's really going to hook the audience, I do think, is character development and story. And NXT has that in spades, and I bring it up again, Ciampa and Gargano. There is nothing else in pro wrestling that can replicate the magic that that initially had and that continued to grow into until, unfortunately, an untimely injury forced us to have to look away from that for a bit. But the lapsed lapsed fan and the one who's going to be caught in the middle of, I don't know what to watch, I think it's going to matter what story appeals most what the championship scenes look like. I think there's a lot of factors besides just matchups themselves that are going to have to be taken into account. And uh, I'm not sure if this is going to become this great big ratings war that a lot of people are anticipating. I think there's enough ways to watch both, and I think there's going to be alternatives to watching the alternative.
1: Now, we know from what is being reported, the NXT product isn't going to be altered By any stretch. But there's no way that Vince McMahon doesn't have his hands on network television. Unfortunately not. So That's a point I sadly agree with. It makes me wonder. We've identified that Triple H and Vince McMahon have some pretty fundamental differences in how they run their shows and how they operate. So is NXT going to stay NXT? As much as the reporting suggests that Vince is going to be hands off with this. I I can't see him just sitting by idly. Now, granted, he's going to be busy. He's running a football league. XFL Um, teams
0: announced today. By the way,
1: let's go New York Generals, New York Guardians, 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 New York Guardians. I'll be getting my "He Hate Me" New York Guardians jersey soon. Oh yeah. But so Vince McMahon is going to be busy. In fact, there were reports that this past Monday he was not at RAW because of the announcement of the XFL teams. So it was Triple H and Paul Heyman and Kevin Dunn running things. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that continues and if it's true that it will in fact be the same NXT we've come to know and love just in a live format with an extra hour and no none of Vince's fingerprints on it.
0: If that's the only change, I really that's where the optimism comes from. The fact that I do believe that it will stay fundamentally the same, Triple H at the helm, the in-ring work that we're used to, the matchups and the superstars that we are used to, Including a few new names, because like you mentioned before, the PC is getting stacked with talents. I, lapsed, to, forgot to mention this during the takeover review, but uh, Evolve's champion Austin Theory has made his presence known in the Performance Center. The guy is a talent to watch out for. He's supposed to be the next
1: really big thing.
0: NX Theory is going to be a big deal. I do feel that, and uh, this is this kind of brings me to. Almost like a two-on-one situation, because we have Evolve's programming going on the WWE Network at times also, and Evolve, we know, has the talent pool that eventually ends up in NXT. So there's a lot of outside factors to take into account. My biggest question, and I think we can kind of put a a pin on this conversation after this, the week that I'm most anticipating that hasn't happened yet is when AEW has a pay-per-view on a Saturday, and TakeOver happens on a Saturday. And I'm not talking about TakeOver UK. I'm talking about one standard NXT North American television takeover event that we're used to going head to head with an AEW pay-per-view. Does that happen? Does that eventually happen? I'm hoping I don't have to make that difficult choice, but it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind.
1: Well, we'll, we'll also have to see is what AEW's Standard rate for pay per view is and how accessible it is. Oh, fifty we bucks had, is tough. And we had some serious issues at your house when we tried to watch. What was that? Double or nothing? Trying to order double or nothing was it was a headache. It re, so we had to resort to the, the illegal streams on the internet, and eventually we got it on the TV. But it was it was a big mess. So that's I had something to call to the cable well. company. I never called
0: the cable company. What Nobody a hassle ever wants that was. To
1: call a cable company. But one of the big benefits right now is that takeovers are still on the network, and if you have the network, you're able to watch relatively easily, although the app has been a little suspect lately. But generally speaking, it's okay. And that So that's a major um, benefit that the WWE had, product has right now. AEW, you're still going to be paying you know a sizable amount for pay-per-views to the point where you have to get three or four friends to get out of the pool, and that's kind of how that works out.
0: Which we don't have any problem with. I mean, we got a tradition of watching wrestling pay per views together at this point. But that that is good. It's a lot of co- it's a lot of cost effectiveness. You're gonna have to think this through. I want some sort of. I'm not sure if it's through Bleacher Report or Fight TV. However, things are being broadcast. Give me the subscription option. I'll ta- even if I only use the service to stream the AEW events. I will rather pay a monthly fee than fifty bucks at a time. You know, I'm not sure point, if that
1: makes me strange or not, but that's just. That's just the culture of today. With yeah, with the exception of like major boxing matches, pay per view is really going the way of the dodo. You have um, UFC is basically moving their entire platform to ESPN plus. Um, you have the WWE Network, of course. You have New Japan has their platform, which I, I'm not familiar with their the name of it, I don't, NG, but it's it's NG, the same idea.
0: It's NJPW World. I don't have a subscription, but even I, Impact I, I has their own
1: streaming service. So you know they've got to get something going where it's a flat subscription rate instead of the pay per view buy, which is tough. If they plan on doing monthly pay per views, you know I, I'm not sure what that structure is going to be like. Anyway, are they just going to hit big fours like? you know the WWE of yesteryear or are they going to do monthly events like the WWE now
0: I think that having a big four pay-per-view format could benefit AEW I think less is more in that situation I think having takeovers line up with the big four pay-per-views has been a working formula for NXT so if
1: AEW wants to take a page out of that book I think that's the most encouraging point absolutely and you know I think that's A pitfall in WWE's main program, too, is that they blow through these stories because they have to get to that pay per view in three weeks. And they have to, you know, blow off these feuds in a matter of three weeks because they have a pay per view coming. With TakeOver, you can tell a story over the course of two, three months and have that big blow off at the TakeOver. And that's why the crowds are electric at these things.
0: Huge, huge benefit of NXT. Lots to think about. NXT on USA, AEW on TNT.
1: I feel like we've hammered this point pretty, pretty home. So before we go, your final vote. You're watching NXT on Wednesday nights? I'm watching
0: NXT on Wednesday nights. I'm finding a maybe less than reputable way to watch AEW. Maybe I sit there with one paused while the other one plays on a laptop or vice versa. But Team NXT, as your captain, I cannot abandon this brand. I will be watching Wednesdays live
1: on USA Network. I'll watch AEW Wednesdays. I'll tell you how it goes.
0: And stay tuned for the All Elite Wrestling podcast coming soon. No. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe uh maybe that'll maybe I'll do that. Maybe, maybe that'll some, be my first venture. Maybe some uh maybe some Patreon coverage on AEW. Maybe you'll be my <laughs> special awesome guest
1: that. host on the AEW podcast. Let's let's
0: keep that <laughs> let's keep that in mind. Absolutely. We are going for almost an hour and a half. I haven't had a nearly ninety minute episode probably since I first freaking tried to start this show way back when maybe a takeover brooklyn episode was was this long so uh matt i want to thank you for the support i want to thank you for aiding me in the conversation today not exactly in the best headspace to deliver a show by myself so i really can't thank you for your presence enough any quick plugs you want to make any uh any wrestling fan advice you
1: might have or uh, hmm. wrestling fan advice
0: watch what you enjoy don't don't try don't feel like you're forced if to you need a, a good
1: sound- laugh Follow Jim Cornette on Twitter. He's great.
0: Follow Jim Cornette on Twitter. Lots of controversy surrounding that. And uh, I'm not going to use the... I'll throw in the term outlaw mud show because that, that shit just... That just makes me laugh. I... Uh, Before we go, what do you think of Orange Cassidy? Oh, boy. Oh, I thought it was super entertaining in the Battle Royal. I thought i seen him... I saw him have a very entertaining match with the formerly known as Hornswoggle. But is that a guy you throw a con- a guaranteed money contract to? No. That's somebody you book week to week. That's somebody you'll have on your show. Oh, they're in the Battle Royal and they get this one spot and then they get thrown out of the ring. I think that's the slot that Orange Cassidy fills, especially with the sports-oriented exactly. mindset that's what that AEW for. has.
1: It's, it's pretty contradictory of what... You know, Cody and the Bucks have come out and said about it being sports oriented and wins and losses matter. And you have a guy who, you know, it, he re- it really is joke wrestling essentially. The, the wrestling,
0: the wrestling sloth, I think, is his nickname. Right? He's just I kind of so. he's just
1: kind of slow and out there, and the hands are in his pockets, and he does the kip up with the pockets. And My little dog pockets. It's it's cool to watch. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's kind of going the opposite direction of what you're advertising, essentially. I think that's where the character work can
0: come into play, and I mean, the the guy is over. The guy is over oh, in the yeah. independent wrestling scene, where as I may not understand it and think, and we think it conf- it conflicts with the AEW structure and message that it seems to be right now. I think there's always kind of room for that in the world of pro wrestling. I think if you're not laughing or smiling at what you're watching, then it might not necessarily be what you want to see that particular week. And you know what?
1: I think NXT really gets that happy medium, because, let's face it, indie wrestling can, is an acquired taste in a lot of ways. If you show it, a lot of indie wrestling to, you know, I guess a lapsed fan or a regular person to be like, you know, what the hell is this? Whereas the main product, I think, almost has shooed away longtime fans, where, you know, I don't really want to watch this, it's it's kind of ridiculous, where I think NXT has that happy medium going, where it has some of the athleticism that you would see on the indies, but with, you know, a little bit better storytelling, a lot better storytelling, I should say. And, you know, it really, I think everyone can kind of center themselves with NXT.
0: I do think that uh, there, there are some interesting signings happening in the world of AEW. So it's I...
1: interesting to see what AEW, you know, are they going to skew more the way of the indie wrestling, and which is, in the grand scheme of things, a very small percentage of people who are big into the indie wrestling. Or are they going to skew closer to the wwe nxt type model
0: i think there's a lot of room for laughs in wrestling if i'm gonna age myself on this nxt reference also but remember back in the days when blue pants was incredibly over the now librarian leva bates if you need a uh, if you need a reminder so somebody who's been in both systems there's a talent for you right there but orange cassidy i kind of feel that same way i don't really understand why it's over but when i see it i could kind of laugh at it and get my fill of it but it's not going to be something I can take over the top seriously and I don't look at something like that and think sports oriented product much show
1: out Laura <laughs>
0: <laughs> my little dog pockets alright um, that's about going to wrap things up Matt thank you so much again for joining me be sure to stay tuned for this week of NXT television just to recap what we got coming up on the card again we will have the long-awaited matchup between the original bro the king of bros Matt Riddle versus the beast of Belfast Killian Dane. cannot wait for what is sure to be a hard-hitting matchup in that respect Mansoor taking on Damian Priest the largest battle royal winner ever is right in the crosshairs of the archer and uh I'm not necessarily sure that's going to spell the exact same success that Mansoor is most recently used to the vision versus the HBIC. You get to see Vanessa born on your TV. I think that's a good week as far as I'm concerned. And uh, just to just to bring up NXT on USA again, Aaliyah is an NXT veteran. That's incredibly hard to do. And she still gets to perform on network television. Everybody else is playing checkers. She's playing chess and the long con. <laughs> Undisputed Eric guaranteed to speak. Cannot wait to see where the tag team controversy in the tag team division leads to. And be sure to you're keeping up with me as well. Be sure to follow the podcast at Undisputed. Future podcast, all one word is the Instagram, Wrestling Memes, Wednesday Night Warfare, pictures, pictures of the Velveteen dog Colin. You'll see it all there. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter, my most primary form of social media outreach. I'll be sure to tag Matt's Twitter handle in the Episode release form on this as well, so you could see what acoustic. No, I'm sorry, ukulele, ukulele, ukulele wrestling theme covers. He's uh he's gonna come out with. I hope you got some more of those in mind, buddy. I going to drop
1: some more. It's hard to top. I'm an ass man, but I'm gonna try to. Get something good going next.
0: Ass Man and Shawn Michaels theme song on the ukulele. You've never heard or seen anything like that before. Be sure to check that out and be sure you're listening and subscribing on all podcasting platforms iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, which I'm pretty sure Apple Podcasts and iTunes is redundancy. Castbox, FM, Stitcher, probably my favorite primary form of listening to podcasts. I really like the Stitcher formats and, uh, Thank you for all the support. Episode 92. Cannot believe we're this far ahead, and I cannot believe we're already less than 10 episodes on the road to 100. I'll be sure to bring Matt back for that. I really hope you enjoyed getting a dose of back and forth on the Undisputed Future podcast for the first time in a long time. But I am CD Danny Mac. This has been Matt Savage. That's his real last name, folks. That's not a kayfabe name. You got that right. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for listening. Continue the support. And remember, we are NXT.